We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we are pleased to be joined by Don Tuller, president of the Connecticut Farm Bureau Association. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Well, hot off the presses from the state capitol this past week, the General Assembly approved a bill creating a hemp production pilot program. This is something your group has been lobbying for. Tell us about it. This has been a major priority and a, <clears throat> and a big push by Connecticut Farm Bureau. Um, it, just, it just enables Connecticut farmers to participate in, in this pilot program to be able to start to um, – grow industrial hemp it, it's not just a free-for-all however it's it's um hemp production is legalized if you conform to the rules of the of the program and and uh, those are available at the department of agriculture website but you need to be licensed you need to register where your field is you, there's you know have to not have had a felony um you have to buy seed from a, a reputable source so there's the the Department of Ag is going to be um, have that information available on their website or um, and so um, it was just signed so there it was officially signed I mean there's going to be a ceremonial signing this coming week but so a little patience they're going to try to get this thing stood up and you're, you'll be able to um, within the next few days I believe they will have the licensing and some of that stuff available online but there is information that should be available at the time where you're hearing this all right so what is hemp and what can it be used for well hemp is I, I guess it's in the same family as what we're finally referring to as cannabis so it's the cannabis sativa plant um, I guess I would I would give the analysis that um, it's kind of like habanero pepper and green pepper. The cannabis, which has THC and that's a psycho has psychoactive properties, whereas hemp is extremely low in THC. It's divine. Um, cannabis would be 0.5 to 25% THC. Hemp cannot have more than 0.3% THC and it's higher in um, CBD or the cannabidiol. There's different derivatives, which has other properties. Um, and that's, <clears throat> one use of hemp, and probably that's kind of the highest value, and that's what's the major focus right now. But also hemp can be used, grown for seed, and also there's thousands of uses for hemp for fiber, and you can make hempcrete, you can make paper, linen, rope, and and even um, hemp is being used as for some parts in cars currently or a hemp product. So it's a remarkably versatile product. The issue there is there's no infrastructure for that right now. So uh, the major focus is going to be on the CBD oil production. And <clears throat> right now there's a shortage of, of hemp nationally. And so the value of the CBD oil potentially is up to, if you had high production of CBD oil um, up to $100,000 an acre, although 30000 is probably more reasonable. 
and that's not counting cost of production. But the challenge is going to be farmers need to learn how to grow this crop. It's a whole new crop because it's <clears throat> because the the most recent farm bill in two, 2018 took it off the control CBD and off the controlled substance list. There hasn't been any approved chemical use. So there's no insect control that's approved, no weed control, there's no fungicides. And so so it's still in terms of the actual being successful in being successful producing it is it's going to present some serious challenges. And on top of that, it has to be harvested and dried before it can be processed. And the key is that it has to be tested at the farmer's expense. The Department of Agriculture will be doing the testing within the two weeks of anticipated harvest as the plant gets more mature, the THC level goes up. So you have to harvest it before it gets to 0.3. And um, if it goes over 0.3, it has to be destroyed. So, um, and then you have to dry it. So we're still, there's still a lot we don't know about this. Uh, what this is, is an interest, interesting opportunity for farmers to participate in. And ideally, if they can get in early enough, they can um, enjoy some of the current high prices and get their capital costs revisit, you know, taken care of. And then it's reasonable to assume the price of CBD is going to drop. And then I think as the uses get more, it should go up again. Now, time was of the essence here because you wanted to get seeds in the ground in the coming weeks, right? We are we are right up against it in terms of being able to get something in the ground this year. Um, hemp grows very quickly. Uh, but at this point, you know, the challenge is going to just be to get the licensing done source the seed and then, and it's time to plant even right now. I mean, it has no frost tolerance. It's reasonable to assume that even if they're field planting, they might be starting plants in a greenhouse and then setting them out. Um, so uh, it's all possible. And, uh, but depending on, on the growing season, it, it has no frost tolerance. So it has to be harvested before frost. Okay. So we have to get beyond any, any frost that would occur in like a late spring, but uh, how, how conducive is the Connecticut environment to growing this this crop? Well, we're going to find out. Um, it pretty much grows anywhere, um, and in fact, a lot of it's grown outside. But it, but it <clears throat> the other in, the other aspect of it, um, and some farmers are probably going to try to produce it indoors, which has higher expense. But hemp has to be you can't have any male plants around. They have to all be female plants. So. If you buy feminized seed, it's anywhere from 50 cents to a dollar per seed. And an acre, you might plant at 2,500 plants per acre or 2,000 to 2,500. But if there's any male plants around that, poll that pollinate the, the female hemp plants, then the CBD levels are much lo lower. They produce CBD oils or the, re you know, the resins in the plant in an effort to get pollinated. So you have to isolate, you have to, if there's any male plants, you have to remove them. The other issue would be cross-pollination if there was another crop somewhere else. So, so it's not exactly going to be a, a cakewalk here. Okay, so there will be a learning curve. I think it's going to be a real steep learning curve. I'm sure there'll be some success and probably some catastrophic failures. Anything else on your legislative agenda this year? Well, one of the issues we were working on was um, to try to um, maple syrup and honey production kind of inadvertently got under the authority of consumer protection and, and a bill has passed in the Senate. It still hasn't been taken up in the House that would clearly give the regulatory 
authority, if there's a need for regulation, to the Department of Agriculture. Um, they they have on-farm experience, uh, and so um, uh, that did pass the Senate the same day the hemp thing did, and and um, it didn't have the time pressure that hemp does. So we're we in, we're looking forward to having that taken up by the House at some point. Um, dairy is continues to be a huge challenge. Um, just the low prices that farmers are getting, um, the the ongoing trade issues, the fact that the Canada-Mexican trade agreement hasn't really been completely finalized yet. The, the problem with China, so China's not buying dairy anymore from us. And so, unfortunately, milk, when there's a little bit of an oversupply nationally, the price drops precipitously. And, and so, Connecticut farmers are just on life support. <clears throat> the Community Investment Act provides some some help for farmers, but we're also, we're also in the process of looking for a little bit of additional um Actually, a few million dollars, which doesn't end up being very much per per cow, to um, help farmers through this difficult time. Um, we wish that the market could take care of it, but in this case, um, the fact that dairy farmers use approximately seventy percent of the agricultural land in Connecticut, everyone has a vested interest in maintaining the dairy um, the dairy industry in Connecticut to maintain the infrastructure that all of agriculture uses. The the equipment dealers, the fertilizer dealers, all that stuff. If dairy went away suddenly, uh, we would not see um, – we'd see a problem in terms of maintaining that infrastructure. Farmers would have to go farther for, for supplies and parts. What's the current price of milk roughly, and what is the sustainable level? Right now, I can't tell you exactly what farmers are getting, but I it's – the ballpark is um, – I think if they're lucky, they're at about 60% of their cost of production. So they're hemorrhaging equity. So farmers are forced to look at other avenues, whether it's other enterprises or value-added. Some farmers are processing their own milk. Some people are making ice cream. They um, are selling compost. or um, And that's part of why another major priority for us is anaerobic digesters. The permitting process is extremely um, difficult right now. We're trying to make that a lot easier uh, because <clears throat> using the manure as a source of energy has a positive effect from a cash flow, but it also provides positive environmental impacts in that the manure is much more stable uh, in the environment. And, and um, we have a problem of too much phosphorus in there. So there's an opportunity to possibly extract phosphorus from the manure so that it's not going to be applied to, to the to the ground. When it comes to dairy, is Connecticut an, a net exporter? I mean, do we produce more than we, we consume? No, we're a net importer. <clears throat> I think we're at about 54% was the, I'm not positive about that number actually, but no, we're importing. So we are, uh, milk flows from like <clears throat> Connecticut is a is a deficit state, so milk will come from Massachusetts into Connecticut. It'll come from New York into you know from areas. Even if like even if Mass is not a surplus state, but their milk will come from Vermont. Or things just kind of move as efficiently as possible to uh, fill where the need is. What Connecticut has is a tremendous market, and so um, but we are not at this point self sufficient. Are people willing to pay a premium for something that's locally produced? Well, we uh, that was an interest. That's an interesting idea. And um, actually, there was a study done, and 
and locally grown as much as everybody says that they think it's a wonderful idea, they are not willing to pay more than 15% for locally, locally grown stuff. So <clears throat> the problem is that Connecticut has substantially higher costs of production. Um, the House has just passed the this week, passed the bill to raise the minimum wage over a number of years up to $15. So, so the price of labor is, is going up 50, 50% roughly uh, over the next few years for without market forces to, to drive it. So, um, so Connecticut <clears throat> energy costs are higher. So we, we do face um, challenges in terms of Connecticut being a high pro- cost of production state. So farmers are really challenged. And, and that's why a lot of farmers are resulting in direct marketing because they don't have to wholesale it to someone. And, uh, um, and, Interestingly, I mean, there is some development of some food hubs, which hopefully will <clears throat> enable farmers that are producing more than they can sell directly. The food hubs can aggregate it so it can go to either institutional users or wholesalers. So so that's a movement that would help out the local farmers. Um, they're actually dedicating a food hub in Waterbury on Monday. Um, You're listening to Face Connecticut. We are talking to Don Tuller, president of the Connecticut Farm Bureau Association. Well, the growing season is just getting underway. What are farmers doing this time of year? This has been a very wet spring. So um, it's been a challenge to get stuff in the ground. It's been cold. Um, we're pretty well behind on, on because of the weather. But um, so g- greenhouse production is, you know, full, f- you know, right at its peak. Mother's Day is today. And so... Um, all people, as far as bedding plants, planting their gardens, flowers, all that is just at its peak. So all those things are delivered and will be delivered to lawn and garden centers and, and big box stores for the next few weeks. Um, farmers are getting all they're trying to get their crops in the ground. The ones that are more frost, frost tolerant, they may be holding back on a little bit. But the, the, the broccoli and lettuce and sweet corn, a lot of that's, you know, that will be sequentially planted Tomatoes and peppers that that need a little bit warmer weather um, will become going into the ground in the near future, particularly if things dry out enough. Um, dairy farmers are trying to plant their their corn and uh, for forage, and and if that's been a real challenge because of the wetness, and uh, they also spread spread manure before they plant, and so this all this rain has been a real problem in terms of getting. Uh, it's not late yet, but we really could use some dry weather right now. Okay, so. It's a wet season, but it, it's not catastrophically wet at this point. Not the way it is has been in the Midwest where they have flooding and and the land is so flat out there. And in some cases, they're protected by levees. And once those levees breach, it's weeks or months before the, so before the soil gets so they could plant. So in some cases, their season is over already. Um, so but, hoping for a lot of sunshine and, and dry weather. We we love sunshine, a little warmth. Everything grows better, and 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 the other part of it is from a retail perspective. If it's raining and and people aren't going to buy plants to plant if they don't think they can plant them themselves, so so that's another aspect, and or work out in their gardens and buy shrubs and things like that. And what sort of growing season are we coming off of last year? Last year was depending on the. When your crops were ready, um, there were challenges. Very wet in the fall, so that was a real challenge. We had a real dry section in there for a little while. So, if you didn't have ways to water your crops, um, and much of it depends on your soil types. If you have 
heavier soils that that or the water table is relatively close, then you're not as as um, susceptible to drought problems. But there was some pretty serious drought pressure. We lost. We had some damage to some of our sweet corn, and we used drip irrigation on our other vegetables. So um, it's a uh, you know it varies so much by and also by where you are in the state because it's it's like little micro climbs and some places got a lot of water other places got mist and they were dry so that's new england actually for you absolutely is it easier to deal with uh, too much water or too little water you can always add water or in some cases you can add water when there's too much water that creates uh, waterlogged soils just if the plant's root system can't get enough oxygen over a prolonged period they die diseases um there's so it's better to be a little dry than too wet, but any extreme is, is bad. In terms of the variety of things that are grown in Connecticut, do we have more variety than other parts of the country? Well, <clears throat> yes. I mean, some parts of the country are dominated by kind of what you call program crops, mm. corn, soybean, wheats, wheat, rice, you know, regionally it depends, um, cotton, um, Connecticut is a uh, very diverse state in terms of we have, but we don't have a lot of anything, and and we don't and, have a lot of land. That's that's part of the reason. Well, right? critical mass of agriculture is is a, is a problem, so that we don't have any processing facilities for fresh vegetables because of the growing season is short here, and also just we don't have the volume. So, so farmers have to produce for direct market or wholesale channels regional wholesale channels are in some cases bedding plants they go all over the country and and even out of the country and um, and actually out of the country is a, is an issue that is kind of one of our priorities we're working on legislatively right now is that there's there's a move to ban chloropyros pyrophos which is a organophosphate and farmers use it for um, the greens industry uses it to um, if they're selling perennials and, and things like that out of to go into either Canada or some other states, the plants have to be tr- the the root mass has to be treated with that, or else they can't s- export them. And it's also used for some pests that can't be controlled any other way, um, cabbage maggots and different things like that. So, and the Environment Committee has voted to ban it. Um, and the problem is that there aren't a lot of other options. And farmers, we're still trying to find out how many people actually do use it. But the problem is that when you have a problem that it takes care of, there aren't a lot of other alternatives. And so our concern is just that we we want the DEP that have the expertise to make the decision about whether these crops, either DEEP or um, EPA, to be making decisions about what Tools are available to farmers as far as use of pesticides. Uh, they have the expertise to and understand kind of the market factors and and whether farmers have other options. Um, and that's why we're hoping that the legislature will not proceed to to ban that chloropyrifos. But. In terms of the number of farms and farmers Connecticut has, is it holding fairly steady? Well, the the recent. The previous census, when it came out, it, we were looking at the largest increase in percentage-wise of, of farmers in kind of the Northeast 
and the most recent one showed a, a decline. The problem with the census is that it's voluntary, and and you also are self you are um, self selecting as to who you are, and 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 so. But what we've seen is there's a there there has been a lot of growth of small farms and small you know small farm operations which are. <clears throat> in some cases, not full-time operations. And so, and in, in a lot of cases, they don't use employees. So they just do the work that they can. So we have, then we have bigger farms that, that have uh, some very large farms that have many employees and, and, and have, um, so, so there's just a whole dichotomy and there's a few, it's kind of like how there's fewer people in the middle class in farming, the middle-sized farms, the the medium-sized farms, they're the ones that are um, we're kind of losing because f- the problem is that farmer farms traditionally have low um, profitability, and the value of their land is high. So if they haven't participated in a development rights purchase program where uh, they have perhaps a retirement has has been made by selling development rights, or or the land is least at least devalued. Um, it's hard for it to carry on for another generation, and and new farmers who want to get bigger are having trouble finding land so that they can find a farm to live on or or expand their operation. So it's a challenge. Absolutely. How how big an issue is farmland preservation? There there are certain incentives out there, right? Well, it's it's um, it's important. Um, <clears throat> we. So I live. I'm from Tomato Farm in West Simsbury. We are we are we have been in continuous family operation since 1768. So this is our 251st year of family farming. Um, we per- worked with the Simsbury Land Trust over a period of eight years, back a number of like six or eight years ago. Now we finished to sell our development rights, and because of that, I'm one of of my generation. There's eight of us, and only two of us are active in the farm. So. That enabled our farm to keep going because the and we're we still haven't quite resolved all the land issues, but um, in some cases it's the only way that farms can either not be lost to well they can't be lost to development once the once the development rights have been sold, but for for it to carry on to the next generation um, or to be available and even then the, it's still difficult for it to be affordable for aspiring farmers to buy these farms, but it's. It's really it's a very important program, and the good news is that they've kind of amended the program to take into account that smaller farms in kind of more expensive communities have a value to those communities, and so even though they might be more expensive per acre, that there it's a it's a good value for the for the public to have these farms preserved because they have they impact more people. In our last minute or so, what can someone listening do to help their local farmer? Shop locally. We encourage you to um, buy from local farmers um, because if you don't, and and ideally you can recognize that there's a value in the freshness, the fact that it hasn't traveled on a truck for thousands of miles, and, and to develop a relationship with the farmers who are selling directly to consumers, to get to know them and understand them and and what an important part of the fabric of the community local farm products are. So I guess that would be my um, my hope would that people would um, 
buy locally and then of course join Connecticut Farm Bureau as a friend of agriculture. And farmers like to hear feedback about their products, I'm guessing, from from people who they live next to in some cases. The world is about it's about relationships. And if and if you the the better you know your farmer, the better idea they hopefully they will give you about a reason why you should buy stuff from them. He is Don Tuller, president of the Connecticut Farm Bureau Association. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T Mobile.com.